There are lots of reasons we cry. Some of us more than others. A sad book or a movie might do the trick. We cry when we're angry. Sometimes we cry from too much laughter. Unfortunately, this world causes too much crying from pain and suffering. But there's a promise that these tears will one day be no more. Which means that God, even though this is a dark age, is still in control. Sometimes as Christians, we go around acting like God is no longer in control. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. It's not easy living in the current condition of the world, but this week, Charles Tapp continues his series, Christ First, a journey through the book of Revelation as he reveals the amazing promise that we will one day overcome. With part 13, Come and see. How many of you are familiar with the phrase, man up? From the time I was a youth, I can remember hearing some well-meaning family members and other individuals of authority basically telling us to, to man up. In essence, what they were simply saying was that it's not masculine to be emotional. And whatever you do, Whatever you do, please don't cry because big boys don't cry. Have you ever heard that? Well, I guess I must not be a big boy because I cry. You cry too, don't you, men? <laughs> Let's try this again. You cry too, don't you, men? Ladies like it when you cry, don't they? I'm just saying. You know how it is, man, when you watch those movies and that, and that tear starts to form in the corner of your eye and you just want to take something and, and take your glasses off and, oh, something got in my eye. I don't know. But did you know that there are three different types of tears, all with their own individual chemical makeup? First, we have what are called reflex tears, and we've all experienced this. You ever chop an onion before, and the irritants of the onion make water come to your eyes? Those are called reflex tears. But then we have what are called basal or continuous tears. These are the protective tears that contain the powerful, fast-acting antibacterial agent lysozine. Without lysozyme, and lysozyme is not only in our tears, but it's also in our saliva. Without this, we would eventually go blind. And as I read that this week, I thought about how wonderfully and marvelously we are made. Amen? But then there are those tears that we call emotional tears. Tears that have their own chemical makeup, even a chemical that is used as a painkiller. These tears are produced when we're afraid, when we're, when we're sad. And yes, these tears come even when we're happy. We call them tears of 
joy. And if I had to go out on a limb today, and I think I will, I would have to say that the tears that John shared in Revelation chapter 5 when he was in the throne room of God had to fall into the category not of basal tears, but tears of emotion. Turn that with me to the book of Revelation chapter 5 as we look at verses 1 to verse 5. Revelation 5 verses 1 to 5. Look at what it says. And this is just review for those of you who've been here, who've been going through the book of Revelation. And I, John here, saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Verse 3, and no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much. Did you hear this? John is not afraid that he's going to be considered to be not masculine. He says, I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to even look at it. Verse 5. But one of the elders, talking about the 24 elders, do not weep, said to John. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Now, if you remember from our last message that we titled Signed, Sealed, and Delivered, the reason why John was brought to tears is because the scroll that was in the hand of the Father could not be opened because there was no one there to open that scroll. And what was contained within the heart of that scroll was the plan of history, salvation of mankind. It was God's purpose of resolving sin for fallen humanity and establishing his own kingdom. So if that scroll remained sealed, the salvation of all mankind would be sealed as well. So the Bible says John began to weep, and he wept much. But then someone said, there's somebody here who can open this scroll. And I love the titles that John the Revelator uses here. He says, one who was the lion of the tribe of Judah, one who stood as a lamb that was slain, and that is none other than the titles that are given to Jesus Christ himself. And when Jesus takes the scroll, oh my goodness, the word of God says that all of heaven breaks out in praise, crying, worthy is he who was slain. And we can't even say men sometimes. Worthy is he who was slain. And the reason why Jesus was worthy is because Jesus died on the cross and he was risen from the grave. In other words, you and I have been redeemed by the power of the blood of the lamb. Who says amen to that today? Now, although it doesn't mention here, I'm going to use my sanctified imagination today. John is never heard from again crying, but I can't help but to wonder if John's tears of sadness 
once he saw Jesus take that scroll, one who was worthy, I believe those tears of sadness would turn into tears of joy. Amen? Amen. Can you imagine what it's going to be like, Mark, when we see Jesus face to face? Come on, church. Hi, Jesus. (laughs) The most conservative of Christians. We're probably running all around heaven crying, glory, glory, glory. Why don't you get into some practice now? I'm just saying, choir. Worthy is the lamb. Jesus has the scroll, and he's taking it. He's sitting it on the right hand of the Father. And now that one has been found who was worthy to break the seal and eventually open the scroll, We move now into chapter 6 of Revelation, where now the plan, God's plan of salvation of all humanity begins to unfold right before our very eyes. And as has taken place all throughout the book of Revelation from the very beginning, John uses these strange symbols and mysterious language to convey the message. And in chapter 6, it is no different. For the messages contained within these chapters begins with four horsemen breaking the four seals that are symbolized by these men riding on the horses. Now, in John's day, a horse was an animal for battle. Oxen was for farming. Donkeys were for transportation. And that's why when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he was riding on what? A donkey. But again, horses were for battle. And what is so striking about these four horses is that each of them is a different color. You've got the first horse that was white. The second horse was the color of fiery red. The third horse, that was a black horse. And then the final and fourth horse was an Asian gray or pale horse. And if that's not enough to make you go, hmm, then add to this the fact that each of the writers is carrying something in their hands. So let's begin this journey. Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 and verse 2. And it says, "Now Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, with a loud voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold, what kind of horse? A white horse, white represents purity. It represents righteousness. Who sat on the throne and had a bow and had a crown. That crown is the Stephanus crown. It was not the diadema, the royal crown, but this was the crown for one who was victorious. And a crown was given to him, and he went out doing what? Conquering and to conquer. This white horse representing righteousness, representing purity. It also represents victory. And the rider has a bow in his hand where arrows can be shot through the air. Then he's wearing the Stephanus crown, as I just mentioned. Then this rider... Dear friends, if we look at it closely, because he is wearing the crown of victory, because he is clothed in white, riding on a white horse, this can be none other than Jesus Christ himself. 
and the writer then is symbolic of Jesus and his mission to conquer the earth. And how is he going to conquer the earth? He is going to conquer the earth through the spreading of his word, through the spreading of the gospel. But not only does this imagery present or represent the spreading of a gospel, but it also represents the time when the gospel was spread probably with its greatest impact. Because notice what it says here, he went forth conquering and to conquer. Look at Revelation chapter 5 and verse 6, and this will make a little bit more sense to you. Revelation 5 and verse 6, look at what it says. And I looked, this is John here, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. Who's that lamb again? That's Jesus. Stood a lamb as though he had been slain, having what? Seven horns and seven eyes, which are what? The seven spirits of God into all the earth. Now, please don't miss this, because those of you who have been with us, you know that these numbers are symbolic. They're not seven eyes. They weren't really seven horns representing seven spirits, but seven represents completion. Seven represents fullness. So when it talks about the seven spirits, it is talking about the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit that has come upon the earth. Not seven spirits, but the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And many believe that this represents, dear friends, the Pentecost that fell upon the earth. They gave birth to the church where thousands were baptized in one day. When was the last time you saw thousands being baptized in one day, especially here in the United States? But in the book of Acts, it becomes even more clear. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 32 and verse 33. Look at what it says. This Jesus God raised up, of which we are all what? Witnesses. Look at verse 33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God. Isn't that the same language of Revelation? Being exalted to the right hand of God where he takes the, throne, takes the scroll and having received from the Father, what? The promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. So when it talks about seven spirits being poured upon the earth, He's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit when it is in its fullness. That was the day of Pentecost. And I can't wait until it's put out again. What do you say? You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Come and See. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. Man, when I think about WGTS, I think about family, and uh, WGTS lifts me up. The whole crew has truly been a blessing in my life, and um, I'm forever grateful for WGTS and what they do for myself and for the community. Support makes a difference. I always uh, encourage people. Like, you want to listen to something to be encouraged when you're going through a tough time, turn to 91.9. Um, they are definitely up with the spirits. And uh, especially in the trying time we're in right now in society. Working together to impact the nation's capital. We are and I am forever grateful for, for the WGS family because that's exactly what it is family. 
And we get to be a part of that as listeners, which is, which is amazing. Listener funded. WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. At 88.3 on the Eastern Shore. This is Simple Truths for Life. And the condition of this world causes us much pain and suffering. And this week, Charles Tapp reveals the amazing promise found in chapter 6 of Revelation that we will one day overcome. As he concludes his message, come and see. For once Christ takes his rightful place at the right side of God, it not only transfers dominion from the enemy, from the evil one who now has dominion over the earth, but it now transfers dominion to Jesus Christ Worthy is the Lamb. And at that moment, when he took the scroll and put it in his right hand, he ushered in the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. Revelation chapter 6, 3 and 4. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying what? Come and see. Verse 4. Another horse, this is the fiery red horse, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should do what? Kill one another. And there was given to him what? A great sword. Now, please don't forget, this is all symbolic language here. Notice what it says. It does not say that the writer went forth and killed people, but it says that they killed one another. Once he took their peace, In essence, they turned on each other. Please don't miss this. If the first horse represents the spreading of the gospel, then the red horse represents the enemy's resistance to the spreading of the gospel. So much so that those now who reject the gospel are turning on those who accept the gospel. What are you talking about, Pastor? Again, to understand the book of Revelation, you've got to understand the Old Testament, the writings of Paul, and the words of Jesus. But look at what Jesus says. I don't have it on the screen, but I want you to write this down. Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 36. Jesus said these words. He says, I did not come to this world to bring what? Peace. He says, I came to bring what? A sword. He's not talking about a sword in the form of destruction. He's talking about a sword in the form of division because then he explains it. He says, when I come, I'm going to turn son against father, daughter against mother. That's what the preaching of the gospel does. It takes away the peace and it brings division. Because there are some people who will never accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then there are those who will accept it and automatically it creates a division. Some of you know what I'm talking about because some of you are living in a divided home right now. Some of you may have grown up in a divided home where one parent lived up to the gospel and the other parent didn't. And it spread and it formed a division. Even in my home. Yes, my parents were Christians, but when I accepted, oh my gosh, the Seventh-day Adventist message at the age of 16, you talk about division. You have not seen division. There were times, and I've told the congregation this before, I did not eat 
because the only thing that was fixed were foods that I could not eat. So what did I do? Sometimes I didn't eat. That's the vision. It's not that Jesus comes and tries to destroy. Jesus comes and breaks the, brings the gospel and the gospel automatically brings division. Revelation 6, verses 5 and 6. When he opened what seal? The third seal. I heard the third living creature say, do what? Come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of what? Scales in his hand. We're going to come back to that. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quarter wheat, four denarius, and three quarts of barley, four denarius, look at this last part, and do not what? Horn the oil and the wine. In Palestine, the three primary crops that they would had were grain, oil, and wine. These were the basic necessities of life. And as a part of the covenant blessing, when God's people were obedient, he made sure that these crops were always in abundance. But when they decided to become disobedient, then these crops were few. But because the rider of this black horse, listen to this, has a scale in his hand, in essence he is saying, now I've got to weigh things because we don't have the abundance that we used to have. Now it's going to be limited. It's going to be scarce, signaling that there is not a famine of food, but there is a spiritual famine in the land. So if the first horse, the white horse, represents the outpouring of God's spirit, the spreading of the gospel. The black horse then symbolizes the spiritual famine among the people of God. Signal by rejecting of the gospel. And as we learn from the story of Belshazzar in Daniel chapter 5, when we reject God and his word, we are then what? Weighed in the balances and found wanting. He ends by saying, do not harm the oil or what? The wine. What John is saying here, in the midst of this spiritual famine, the oil, which represents the Holy Spirit, and the wine, which represents our salvation, that's why when we take communion with the bread and wine, the, bread rep the wine represents the blood of Jesus, which is our salvation. He says, even though there's going to be a spiritual famine in the land, there are still those who are going to accept the salvation of God and come under the power of the Holy Spirit. Who says amen to that today? Amen. Parents, that's why you should never stop praying for your children. Yes, there's a famine in the land, but the oil and the wine will not be harmed. I applaud you guys. I could not grow up in this age like you are now. This is a very black age. There's so much evil out there. When we were growing up, we had to go look for evil. Right? Did we not, folk? Show your age. You had to go look for evil. You couldn't even find evil on television. You only had five channels. 
one honest soul. You guys don't have to go look for evil. Evil comes looking for you. It pops up on all your devices. You've got nowhere to hide. The oil and the wine shall not be harmed. Even though there's a famine in the land, you can still accept Jesus Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit and become an overcomer. So parents, don't stop praying for your children. Don't stop praying for your spouses. Yes, this is a spiritual famine, but the oil and the wine shall be sure. And then lastly, the fourth horse. Revelation 6, 7 to 8. Let's read it. When he opened the fourth seal and heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying what? Come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was what? Death. And Hades followed with him. Have mercy. And power was given to them over how much of the earth? A fourth of the earth to kill with what? The sword, with hunger, talking about the famine, with death, talking about spiritual death, and by what? The beast of the earth. Again, this is all symbolic language. This pale horse represents the same kind of color that a decomposing body, a corpse, experiences. And the message here is clear that when there is a spiritual famine of God's spirit and his word, eventually there will be spiritual death among the people of God. That's why Paul said you can have a form of godliness, but you don't have any of the power of God. But here is the good news in this verse. And I know you're wondering, where is the good news in this verse? For here it says that only one-fourth they will be over to take of the land, which means that God, even though this is a dark age, is still in control. Sometimes as Christians, we go around acting like God is no longer in control. How you doing? Oh, child, I'm just trying to make it. You pray for me. Maybe one day I'll make it. God is still in control. The oil and the wine won't be touched. God's Holy Spirit is still here. God is still sovereign. He still has people that will be saved. But here's what I want to leave you with. Notice which each of the horses, the riders, the invitation was given to do what? Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. This is not an invitation to come and be an observer. This is an invitation for a call to action. In other words, John the Revelator is being shown here throughout this story in the book of Revelation that even though things in the church, there are some difficult days ahead for the people of God, that God's people will still win out if we're faithful. So come and see. In other words, take this as a warning to remain faithful. Even through the darkest of times, remain faithful. 
Because what the book of Revelation is really all about in a nutshell, it is a faithful God in search of a faithful people. Because God makes it clear, my oil and my wine will always be there for you. The question is, will you be there for me? You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Come and See. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. You're about to throw in the towel, throw up your hands. Darkness was all around you, but then God shed his light in on you. It's always darkest before the dawn. That's Charles Tapp, and next week, he'll be sharing the 14th and final message in this series, Christ First, a journey through the book of Revelation you won't want to miss, titled, Darkest Before the Dawn. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life. Man, when I think about WGTS, I think about family, and uh, WGTS lift me up. The whole crew has truly been a blessing in my life, and um, I'm forever grateful for WGTS and what they do for myself and for the community. Your support makes a difference. I always uh, encourage people, like, you want to listen to something, be encouraged when you're going through a tough time, starting 91.9, um, they are definitely up with the spirits. And uh, especially in the trying time we're in right now in society. Working together to impact the nation's capital. And I am forever grateful for, for the WGS family because that's exactly what it is, family. And we get to be a part of that as listeners, which is, which is amazing. Listener funded, WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. At 88.3 on the Eastern Shore.